Hey guys, what's up? Quick note before we start Cinematics episode 173, Anderson Cowan is back to talk about a bunch of movies that he saw recently that he enjoyed, most notably Babylon. I still haven't seen Babylon. Would love to hear what you guys think of that movie. Does it work? Anderson really, really loves this. Loves that movie. Also, Bruce and Eric have new reviews as well for episode 173. After the episode ends, after the finish, the actual this actual installment does not finish. There's some more runtime as far as audio goes because I'm joined with my close friend, best friend, Deandra Miranda. You might not know who that name is, but she is the voice of cinematics who says this is cinematics at the beginning of every episode. So she actually recorded that all that all those drops or whatever, those intros with Anderson back into that late 2015, early 2016, six years later. Maybe she should come in and do redo some voices now. Who knows? But anyway, she's a great person. And we also, most importantly for you guys, we did a, a movie review of The Whale. So we talk about our feelings and our insights on the film. And we also talk about, do some spoiler talk, which will be after the review. All of this stuff, all of these reviews, the episode 173, the stuff with Deandra, I will put on our time codes for our show notes just so you could follow along or just pick which part of the podcast you want to listen to. Finally, we forgot to mention on the the normal show, the regular show, Anderson and I just recently recorded, uh, recorded today, the latest Patreon, and we covered the year 1946. I reviewed, we reviewed the films The Postman Always Rings Twice and a movie called A Matter of Life and Death. It's called A Matter of Life and Death in Britain, in actually probably everywhere except America. In the U.S., it's called Stairway to Heaven. It's a movie directed by Emmerich Pressburger and Michael Powell. It is a classic. Check out our Patreon for our discussion of that film, as well as The Postman Always Rings Twice, okay? And also for our February Patreon, Anderson and I will be covering the year 1974. That is it. I'm going to be quiet now. Check out episode 173 with Anderson Cowan, Bruce Perky, and Eric Holmes. And then after that, check out my talk with DeAndre Miranda about the whale. All right, guys, take care. Thanks again. Bye. Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Heyo! Welcome to Cinematics, episode 173. Today we're going to be talking to you about the movies that are coming out the week of January 20th. Uh, I'm Anderson. I blather about films here and there. That's Greg Serzavosti. He's a... Uh, I don't know what I am. Uh, yeah, I, critic. I, I, He's a critic. Yeah, yes. As is Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. It's all four of us together again at last. Very excited to see you guys. Hey, just want to let you know that I have been listening to a little film program uh, where you can find where you can find your podcasts called Cinematics uh, over the last number of weeks. And uh, I am really enjoying the format. I'm enjoying what you guys are doing. I leave for a couple weeks and you guys turn it into a filthy show. What is this about? <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> so I still we, haven't we, gotten we got confirmation. We, we got Vanilla Holmes ever since I joined in. Vanilla <laughs> Holmes is is in, in effect, but I mean, I, I've been getting texts from Greg saying, "Hey, they're they're really champing at the bit to uh, to say the <laughs> f word and whatnot." And I'm like, I you know, I don't care. Do what you want to do. It's not like I'm uh, Vanilla Cowan over here. I just thought that it'd be nice to be able to you know listen to a film program with your kids in the car. 
Uh, but if you guys, hey, hey, if you want to do it, I'm down. I don't, I don't care. I'm not a controlling type of guy. Until I, I, do, I, I do like F words, fun, friendship. <laughs> so uh, I can't, I can't, I can't get a clear uh, a picture here. Are, are we explicit or no? We, we are. We, look, I'll, I'll tell you on our actual show, we're not explicit, but when, because Eric does a lot of interviews, I, I said, Eric, I don't want you to filter yourself when you're doing interviews. So our, our, our mini reviews for the Flick City stuff are, can be laced with expletives. I, I don't know. Maybe that's tips of scales, Anderson. I don't know how, how you feel about that. Or should we just go blue on the show as well? What do you think, Anderson? You're, you're the I, cap. What? I don't, I don't know. And also, we got to get your names on there, guys. This is embarrassing. We got to get Bruce and Eric's <laughs> names on there. I mean, I, it's embarrassing to look at the banner when I'm barely present and my name's the first name. I, I can't have that. So I don't have a problem with that, Anderson. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I wouldn't okay. expect you would, Gregor. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know if I, I'm not capable of doing something as simple as adding names to a banner that's uh, already been prefabbed. But if one of you guys can take a crack at it, I don't even care if you cover my name up. I, I don't care. Oh, I, really? I'm proud of the show. I like to be a part of the show. But uh, if it means having the actual people who do the show more often than not represented, I'm all for it. So let's let's figure that out. Bruce, didn't you have the one where the, I don't know if you just put it in the message, but. Yeah, I had a beautiful one. I, I did it. I spent a lot of time on it. I, I mean, at least at least two minutes on it. And it's <laughs> it's seamless. You'll see it. It's It's amazing. Mm, okay it's amazing speaking of amazing anderson okay so we haven't seen you for a couple of weeks we want to actually but of course we, we listen to the film vault bruce and eric are avid listeners i i can't listen to it as much because i feel like you're you're cheating on me with bald brian and and uh who's who clear else? greg you're yes. the mistress i was with <laughs> brian first you're the mistress I will make I'm making that clear. The mistress feels uh, mis- mistreated. But look, Anderson, the last time I, we- I, ne- I never made any false promises that I was leaving him for you, darling. All right. You knew what this was from the beginning. <laughs> the podcast coins are on the table. Anderson Cowan, what are some of those movies that you've liked the last couple of weeks? I think more importantly, since I'm a very negative person, what's the movies that we the, our listeners should just avoid and not spend their hard earned money for? I don't have a whole lot of those because uh, we live in the year 2023 now, Greg, and I'm, I'm capable of hearing things about movies and even reading things about movies and avoiding those. So I, I don't see Black Adam because I value my time. Uh, can I say that's a great movie, Black Adam? Is that okay for me to say that or no? I, I know that it's either four or five stars. It's, it's at least four, four and a half. So, uh, yeah. But no, I want to talk about a couple of movies that are, are – are, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you guys about Babylon. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where we stand. I'm, I'm a couple uh, episodes behind. Uh, mm. so I don't know if you guys have covered Babylon yet. I I like to do my job as a critic. I did receive a screening link to Babylon Babylon about well, a month ago. None of you ago, have seen Babylon, and I still haven't seen it. Nope. No, because it got really bad reviews. Take got my really- name off the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lemming. Look, Anderson. I'll tell you something. As far as the scales go, some people say it's a really visionary work of the 20s. It's a really great evocation, but other other people say it's just a complete a misfire and a bore. Where do you stand on this on Babylon? Yeah. Well, the 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 latter people are fools, Greg. Uh, this movie, uh, you know, you know me in progress, and I like to see things that I haven't seen before, and movies taking chances and and actually uh, making connect, connecting when they take that swing. This movie does all of that. Yes, it's definitely uh, definitely indulgent at times. 
Uh, and it's definitely gratuitous for sure. There's uh, some stuff, some very gross stuff that would not need to be in there. But I had no idea that Damien Chazelle can make such a funny movie. This movie is laugh out loud funny. And the energy is like no energy I'd seen in the movie all year long. This is one of my uh, five favorites of the year for sure. I absolutely love Babylon. And as a film school nerd and a kid who went to film school, and I thought I learned a whole lot about the history of cinema. There's so much stuff that I learned by watching Babylon that I had no idea about the silent era in particular. Uh I highly recommend this movie to anyone who who loves um, movies and where they came from and what they what they've become. Anderson, is, why are, why are people just saying are off this Babylon train? Why do you think people have had such a very weird reaction, negative reaction to this movie? Can you see it at all? No, I really can't. I mean, for someone who for for people who claim to love movies. I, it's it's kind of shocking to me that uh people are not responding to this movie i i, I was shocked when i heard i didn't hear because i don't look at rotten tomatoes you know religiously uh but when i was reviewing it on the film vault my co-host over there brian cited that it was like in the 50s or something on rotten tomatoes which is just it's it's criminal it's and i don't want to oversell it but uh this movie is like unrelenting at times the score is I, I can't stop listening to the score and that's a dirty little trick that they do sometimes uh sometimes if the score of a movie is really really good you get it stuck in your head and then it, it evokes fond memories of the actual movie going experience and then you listen to the score and you continue to have this love affair with the movie so there is some truth to that i think uh as far as why i'm responding so so positively to this movie because uh, it lives on because i listen to this I, I wake up to one of the songs every morning it's just but it, there's a lot, a lot to be gleaned here uh, with this movie, um, just from a historical standpoint. And from what I read and, and understand, he went to great lengths to be historically accurate. And there's a lot of composites and there's a lot of uh, mixed uh, stories that are all, you know, like in one room happening at the same time. That's not necessarily the way they happen. But most everything you see on the screen, there is a version of that that actually happened in Hollywood at some point or another. So you're not just watching BS. I know you like it. You prefer it over First Man easily, but how does it compare <laughs> to someone like something like La La Land, Anderson? What do you think? Oh yeah, I mean, you and I watched that together, Greg. And we, uh, we well, did. We saw yeah, it. Together? We watched it in your living room. Yeah. And okay. when it ended, we're like, "Oh, did we just watch what's going to win Best Picture?" And boy, were we close to being right on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, La La Land was not made for me. Babylon was. I mean, look at the the parent the parent guide on. Uh, on imdb for for babylon it's just it's it's everything is severe violence severe language (laughs) severe smoking severe profanity uh, everything's severe like he he made a very very hard uh uh r movie and uh, i think maybe that's what some people are responding to like the sexuality of it all the the gluttony the 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 indulgence but i mean mean, that's what he's that's what it's called babylon right i i know that's what he was shooting for and i (laughs) I mean, it opens up in Bel Air, which is just open hills, right? And they're yes. trying to get this elephant up this hill, and that's where it starts. Also, I think you know, as somebody who drives the four hundred five a lot out here, you're gonna uh, appreciate little things like that. But Fatty Arbuckle is represented right off the bat with his prostitute. It's 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 a lot of fun. Ooh. Greg, yes, Eric. Runtime three hours nine minutes. That is a movie for you. That's that's a movie for me. Yeah, it's over three hours. I definitely want to see it. Bruce and Eric, can you guys do a better job? You are the heart of cinematics. How come you haven't seen Babylon? And why don't you support Anderson on his on his Babylon take? Because I have things to do. I got um, I don't have things to do. But Bruce and Eric, can you can you? T- why didn't you see this movie yet? Come on, Greg. Greg, I live the life. I don't need to see the movie. <laughs> okay. What about you, Bruce? Okay, that's a good excuse, Eric. Uh, B- Bruce, what about you, man? Come on. Well, you have the screener, right? 
You know, you, you could, Anyways, you Anderson, what else mail that to me? Like, uh, you okay, know, like, oh, you guys are you guys are going through this with Greg. <laughs> I gave up on this a while ago. <laughs> okay, so Anderson, you got Babylon. What's what else is up on the docket, or should we go into our previews immediately right now? What do you think? Uh, a similar movie, as far as mixed reviews, is The Whale. I, you guys have seen The Whale, yes? No, no. What, you guys, okay, you guys are great at watching the smaller off the beaten path movies, which is really where the value comes from with this show. And I love listening to you guys talk about movies that I otherwise would have missed or not heard about. So that's, so I'm, I'm coming to you with the big, sexy Hollywood, yes. you know, award uh, season movies. So I, that's not lost on me. Uh, however, I did want to talk about these movies with you guys. I almost cussed just now. Um, Greg, <laughs> you you've seen now. the whale. I, I've you? seen, I've seen, I've seen the, I've lived the whale. I, I sit at home and I, I eat, I, you know, I eat a lot and I gain weight. That's why I, I can't, I gotta relate to the whale. And I've been, I, I like Darren Aronofsky's films. I, you know, so I can, I can, uh, I have my thoughts on the whale. Did you, Eric and Bruce, I don't know. It, some people do not like it because it's too heavy handed, ham fisted, a little bit saccharine, too, too much honey into it. Uh, but, but from, uh, what about, from, yes. From what, I, from what I hear a lot of the, uh, and you guys can chime in on this, uh, the, a lot of the people that don't like it, um, you say ham fisted. I guess they lean into that a little too much as far as like him eating and oh, look how fat and gross he is. And it's almost anti, like almost like body shaming any fat people. Right. I, I, I don't know if that's the case. I haven't seen it, but that's that's a lot of the things I'm hearing about. I don't want to get political here, guys. But I mean, if if you are morbidly obese, shouldn't we? I don't know if shaming is the right word, but shouldn't we kind of be leading these people to a healthier lifestyle? I can tell you as somebody who loves to smoke, I'm constantly smoke shamed. And is it that different eating yourself to death or smoking yourself to death? Can we? All right. Yes. <laughs> true. True. No, but there are complainers of the whale. It can be considered as a, there's a lot of crit- critiques regarding this movie. Um, I'm going to tell you my, before we get to your take, Anderson, I'm going to tell you something absolutely love the whale everything about it. it it hooked it hooked me in and the ending i don't even want to talk about the ending because i i might get teary i i almost I, I cried here on the cinematics a year ago with over petite maman this actually reached on the petite maman levels towards the end now anderson i actually have not listened to your tfv review on the whale your thoughts yeah i, I would love to be able to talk to you about that ending because actually if you really think about the ending there's something tragically comic about the ending what actually happened but we can't talk about that because that's not what we're doing <laughs> okay. here but the right. ending when you think about what actually happened at the end what really happened greg think about that for a second what yeah. really happened in that room did I, someone die all right <laughs> i was on my tiptoes anderson I, <laughs> yes sir yeah but he wasn't <laughs> technically he wasn't right he would have gone somewhere else all right right let's leave it at that we're, we're getting to <laughs> okay. uh i like this movie a lot i think that aronofsky might have been a little too enamored with the the source material which was a play he did as somebody who has so much style and, and such a visionary, I mean, look at mother, what he did with that house. And that was all, t- that all took place in one, one house and he created an entire universe. He did keep this a little bit too small. Some of the blocking felt stilted and stiff and felt like it was lifted directly from the stage play. Um, some of the acting, like his daughter, was she was a little bit too one note for me. Really, uh, sink. A lot of people didn't like her performance. I, I thought, it, you know, but she's a teenager. That's she's I supposed know, to be. But I mean, I had the same problem with uh, eighth grade. Like I, I just, okay. I, I didn't really respond to her either. I guess maybe it's a daughter thing. I don't know. But 
his performance is what elevates his movie. And like, if you don't empathize with this guy, you're going to be lacking some soul. Uh, and, and you should probably look within if you don't feel bad for this guy and you can't empathize. Right. He's such a strong, beautiful character and what he does with his face. I mean, this is just one of the greatest performances you'll see. I would have liked to see some more Aronofsky cinema in this. Uh, that's my one critique, my main critique, but I like the story. I like the acting for the most part. And uh, I, I like the smallness and the nurse was great. She was fantastic. Uh, Anderson, you know, uh, on the devil's advocate about more cinema for the whale, do you think maybe Aronofsky d- decided not too much cinema because he wanted to, like you said, make it? He, was he too reverential for the yeah. material? Do you I think, think he had too much love for the actual uh, play and he wanted to do that justice. Kind of like uh, Hidden Fence. Hidden, no, Fences? Fences, yeah, Fences, yeah. I was called Hidden Fences by mistake because it came out the same year. That's terrible that I did that. <laughs> Fences though, like you know, you can just tell that it's you can tell it's a stage play, right? You and mean I, hidden fences? Yeah, no, 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 you're right. Hidden, hidden, hidden figures and hidden, hidden figures. Yeah. Somebody, somebody made that joke, and then I it just stuck, and now it's I, I I'm not trying to do that. I, okay, isn't I know, that what I, you I, get for your dog? A shock collar, the hidden fences, and that would work, you know? Oh yeah, like the invisible fence. Yeah, but no, like when the, these these movies, we've seen a number of them that are adapted from uh, um, One Night in Miami that are adapted from from stage plays. Like I just want them to elevate it and take it. You know, you can move the camera and wherever you want. And there's some stuff in the whale where you know it gets really melodramatic, and actors are like you know all over the uh, the room, and they're like leaning on chairs, and I'm like I'm watching. It's just lifted from the play, obviously. You're watching a play, Anderson, pretty much. And I and I think that's I I I get the complaints, but I think you and I kind of just said we, we let it go, right? It's that good that it, you know, despite that, it's still a, a high recommend for me. A high recommend. So definitely worth watching in theaters, Anderson, as far as it's it, as it, we're basically you're watching a play. It's okay as far as spending yeah. your money to okay. I mean, if, if if you go to see movies to empathize with uh, characters that you are not, this is one uh, will definitely get you to do that. And I've not said his name yet because I've, apparently I've been mispronouncing it for the better part of 30 years. Uh, Brennan Fraser, Fraser, right. How do you pronounce that name? Fraser or Fraser? I don't know, but he's, he's a great actor and I've interviewed him over the years. Really nice guy, really nice person. And uh, Bruce Berkey, uh, Eric Holmes, favorite Brand, uh, Brendan or Brandon or Encino man uh, performance here of uh, what is your favorite performance <laughs> from Mr. Fraser from the whale other than the whale? Cause uh, you haven't seen it right up the uh, monkey bone. Monkey bone. <laughs> monkey bone's a good one. I like monkey bone. Monkey bone. Top that, Bruce Berkey. Can you top monkey bone? Um, I was going to say, and I can't think of the name of it now. The one where he's uh, one of the three um, stoner rocker dudes that take over the radio. Oh, station. airheads. Oh, mixed nuts. Airheads. 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 Yeah, that's it. <laughs> mixed nuts. Mixed nuts. That's a. What is that? It. What? That. I think that's a Steve Martin film, right? With a direct by Nora Ephron. See, there you go. So look, monkey bone. Monkey, Monkey Bone, Bone is PG thirteen. Damn it, I want to watch that of oh, the Atticus. That's a four point eight on IMDb, guys. Jeez. Hot take, Holmes. What do you say about the about Monkey Bone? Say something, and it's going to get us like ten thousand listens already. Um, <laughs> uh, I I hate Endgame. Is the worst movie ever. Monkey oh, is better. Is that hot? <laughs> Unbelievable hot. Hey, hey, Anderson, I don't know if you knew this, but for our cinematics thing, whenever I put Eric Holmes on a hot take, it gets mm-hmm. it gets us like four four to five thousand views. He 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 said Godfather <laughs> Three is the best of the trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just posted it yesterday. It's getting close to a thousand. His last Jedi take is uh-huh. the best Star Wars. It is. It it it, 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 it is Eric Holmes. What is it? What is five thousand people? People yeah. want they, do they want to tune in and hear some compelling arguments so that they can also say that and have like a, a 
a, a take that's against the grain, or are they just ready to hate whoever's saying that? Like, what? Uh, they, 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 they just listen to you know, look at this Jagoff over here mm-hmm. saying Last Jedi's best Star Wars. The hell he's talking about, and then. <sighs> Then yeah, they'll bring their friend in and go, check this guy out. He didn't know what he's talking Godfather 3 is the best Godfather, really. That's that's great. I mean, hey, if you can monetize it, let's do it. Eric, we told, <laughs> Eric Bruce and I told you to leave the Zoom chat early, okay? So uh, regarding uh, that. <laughs> well, I, I already got my monkey bone hot take out, so I'm done. Okay, ding, 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 cash register. Okay, so let's get to this week. Uh, Anderson, are you looking? What are you looking forward to the week of January? What is it? January twentieth? January twenty third? What is this? What the week of January twentieth? What have you guys seen? What you guys take over, Anderson? Yeah, you guys go ahead. Bruce, I just, you guys go ahead. I just blabbed a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> Bruce, you, it's 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 Bruce and Eric show now. What what do you guys? What have you guys seen? Oh well, should we get the mm, uh, Greg? Should we talk about something that's very darling to us, darling? <laughs> well, there's a movie called Alice Darling. Bruce, you want to do the plot, or you want me to do the plot? Uh, go for it. I think you have the hotter take than yeah, I do. You, you know how hot takes how, are. How dare you? How dare, okay, don't you talk to me like that, sir. <laughs> okay, Eric, Hashtag I got your next post. Party. Yes, sir. Uh, Bad News Bears remake is far superior. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't think... Did I see the remake? Dude, don't you don't have to. Or not. It's all bullshit. You don't have to. Yeah, no, just, just do, do your, do your oh, Batman no, it's and... T- it's totally the best. <laughs> It's the do best your, uh, bear movie I've ever seen. Batman and Robin is better than The Dark Knight. I know you want to do that. Oh, that's a great one. Great call, I mean, Bruce. They're, 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 and here's they're... why. And here's why. How <laughs> do all three of you, all three of you will eventually bow down to the algorithm sooner or later. Alice <laughs> Darling, it's 90 minutes. It stars Bruce. I, I can't believe I'm doing this. Anna Kendrick as the aforementioned Alice. And she is a woman who is, who is trapped. It says trapped in an abusive relationship. The, the guy's a little bit of a, he's not a really good, good, nice boyfriend, but he's, what's the catch behind this is this guy is played, the actor's name is Charlie Carrick. He plays Simon, good looking guy. He's an artist. He has his own paintings in a gallery. Everything seems great. The problem is Alice feels very hemmed in by this relationship and she feels very emotionally manipulated. Now, what happens is she gets invited to a weekend getaway with her two best friends to some cabin by in the woods and she goes and she lies to her boyfriend about it. And that's the rest of the movie. It's about how she can't have a good time on the weekend cabin get getaway because she didn't, she lied to her boyfriend and then eventually push comes to shove. There is some kind of confrontation in Alice darling regarding relationships. It's about toxic relationships. Bruce, take it away. Uh, this is my thought on Alice darling. There are 90 minutes in this world that you can, cordon off to other movies other than Alice Darling. I love the message behind this movie about toxic relationships. Anna Kendrick does a really good job in the lead role. She's trying really hard. She's in uh, part of the pro- part of the promotion is she's she actually relayed in her past relationships that she actually took this role and it reminded her of a previous relationship. So there is a lot of personal stakes involved with Alice Darling. That said, this movie, I told Eric Holmes specifically not to see this movie because, and, and that was a bad thing on my part. And I, I, Eric Holmes, I don't think you listened to me on this because I think you're, you're going to review this with Bruce as well. But my quick review on Alice Darling is spend your 90 minutes uh, actually watching something else. Do do other things. Listen to the film vault with Anderson Cowan and Bob Bryan. Listen to the after disaster Give Anderson a call. Uh, you can actually uh, chat with Anderson. For, can we? Can we still do that, Anderson? We can. Someone can call yeah, you. I'm doing he, chats, and you can pay me to watch a movie now too, and then I talk to you about it for a half hour. 
As long as the movie's not over three hours long. <laughs> Can we do pay that. to watch Alice Darling for us? Do that. <laughs> go watch The Godfather hey, 3. Go watch listen, The Last Jedi. Yes. Sir. Listen to this this Friday's Film Vault, and you guys will hear a nice little plug for this here program at the top. Excellent. Oh, yeah. very good. I, I also heard the uh, mini review of uh, uh, Eddie Like the Gremlins, which... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, Atticus Bruce. Love the Gremlins. Oh, really? Atticus love the Gremlins. Very cool. See, these Gremlins. are just all... Gremlins. Sorry. Oh, Gremlins. Okay, so these are all great topics, and I, I'm being mean, Bruce. Am I being too mean? And Eric, am I being too mean regarding Alice starting darling? I, I was. This was a bore for me. Yeah. I think you're being about mean enough. I feel like, uh, although I can see people being upset with you for being that mean to it. To me, it's kind of like that movie Sleeping with the Enemy, but instead of all the the really ham-fisted stuff at the beginning, you just skipped straight to her escaping. But instead of escaping, she just hangs out with her friends at a cabin for most of the movie. That's pretty much what she does. And they cook and stuff, and she twists her hair, and they sit by the lake. Um, there's a girl lost in the woods nearby that might be dead, and they use that as a really um, overboard uh, symbolism. Like, what she is going through, like, will she be lost? Will she be undergoing the same fate as this woman in the woods and she's projecting herself into that she finds some chapstick on the ground and uses it i don't know why she does that and the part that where i really really my whole brain just rolled with my eyes was when (laughs) there's a moment where they start to play that lisa loeb song her friend does on the guitar and then she they they all look over at anna kendrick's character like are you gonna sing now we know you're in pitch perfect are you gonna sing and she's like no i'm not gonna sing you know i can't I can't sing this song. And then later she finally sings it. I'm not going to spoil anything, but she finally sings it and you hear her singing stay and all this stuff. And then the next scene, the asshole boyfriend. Oh, is that? You can do, no, you can do that. You can do that. You're good. The a-hole boyfriend starts his first line after that is stay with me. And that was, that was so emotional, impactful. I loved it. Okay. Yes. Terrible movie. <laughs> terrible movie. Two terribles. Eric Holmes, are you going to raise us a third terrible, or what do you think? Are you going to actually... No, see- oh, no that, 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 this is the legit hot take, um, or maybe not. I think this is getting good reviews, but um, I, I really like this movie. You guys were talking it down so much, and I was like, I'll give it a few minutes. I'm watching it. I'm just leaning in, because I, I like the idea that um, you have a movie about someone in an abusive relationship and you don't really see that because it's not a, it's not like he doesn't hit her or anything, but it's certainly mentally abusive. And you see that through her actions. You see the way she's with her friends and the way she responds to certain things and the way she like jumps on his text. Like you can see that she's like, uh, she's pretty mentally damaged from this guy. And it, you know, um, it's a more, I guess it's a more realistic, um, interpretation of what that might be if someone's in an abusive relationship you know uh well what did he do it's like oh he's you know he has me text him it's like okay like on the surface it doesn't seem that bad but then when you see her live the life doing those and he's doing that kind of mental manipulation thing and he's not even there i thought it was pretty well done and i really really loved the ending um that got very uncomfortable to watch. Uh, I kind of wanted to turn it off, but that like, that's, that's because I was dialed in at that point. Um, as far as Lisa Loeb's song, I mean, you know, uh, you know, we, friends like singing songs together. <laughs> yeah. Bruce, we, we, we can yeah. sing a song together right now. If you want Anderson, to. don't but, you uh, like Lisa Loeb? Do you like Lisa Loeb, Anderson? What do you think? 
stay remember i have no, no opinion this sounds like a movie made for uh the ladies and eric from what i'm, I'm hearing <laughs> yep and it probably validates a lot of uh both men and women who are in these like manipulative yeah. gaslighting uh relationships and i think people would respond to that but i i could imagine that doesn't sound like it's a movie made for me yeah, yeah. And i'm gonna comment on it so uh, this is I, I think this is a really uh, realistic depiction of uh, that kind of mental abuse. I mean, it, it, hey, kids, you want to come watch a movie about mental abuse? Most people don't. Um, some people absolutely need to. But unfortunately, the, uh, the boyfriend character, you know, someone that's like the boyfriend character watching this probably would not watch it and see themselves in it. They probably watch it and go, huh, this movie sucks and turn it off. Oh wait, I didn't mean this. Oh like, wait, I, I no comment. I, I, I no comment but, on uh, that, Eric Holmes. What? But but no, it, 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 I, I think what it's aiming for, it does it well and it does it accurately, and I appreciate it for that. But that said, um, you know, uh, will not be watching it again because this is a pretty pretty much a bummer. Oh, and Andrew Kendrick, always love her, love her this as well. She's great. I, I said on my Google Doc, is it only in theaters this Friday, guys? Did you check the – I think Alice Darling is in theaters yeah. this Friday. Is that just – it's only in theaters, I think, or on demand? I, I, I got to check if it's on demand or not. But I think in, in fairness, Eric – yeah, in fairness to this, I think Alice it's, Darling is value-added for – yes. It's uh, nationwide for its Oscar run. So I guess I, technically I, it's a 2022 <laughs> I, I I would also um, add this uh, – because I was thinking about Saint Omer, um, like how Saint Have Omer. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's I really want to see that. Saint Omer yeah. is terrible. Yeah. Saint Omer has <laughs> these ideas, and the movie does not engage with the ideas at all. Uh, Whereas Alice Darling has the ideas, and it actually engages them in with that the whole idea. And to me, in an interesting way, to you guys, not and that that's fair. But yeah. I don't understand how you hate Alice Darling and love Saint Omer. No, I I don't hate I it. Don't. I, just, I hate I, both. <laughs> I, I I just well, strongly Bruce dislike it. Makes sense, Greg. I'm a little more. Curious, I mean, so. the the lead character, uh, the the male character, hit a little bit too close to, to home for me because I, I've known oh, I've known people like that. Not me. I'm not looking at the mirror because I don't have any mirrors in the house. Thank you very much, right. Alice Darling. It hits expands in theaters January 20th at the at AMC theaters and nationwide. Alice Darling, what is your rating, Bruce Perky? I will give it two stars. Um, I like the co-star uh, Wunmu Musaku, who plays Sophie, and go watch her in his house instead on Netflix. Oh, oh his house. house. His house. Very good. Whose house? Very good. Wunmi. Run's house. <laughs> yes. And then also, I give it two stars. Eric Holmes, probably the uh, the smarter of the two. What is your rating on Alice Darling? Because this is getting good reviews to your defense. Yeah. I'm going to four-star Greg this one. You're going to four-star? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Four-star Greg. Very good. Alice Darling. Okay. What else? Anderson, are, are is there anything that you're looking forward to as far as coming out this week that maybe yeah. you covered on? Yeah. Uh, Sarah Pauly's, uh, uh Women Talking uh, is going to be worthy of talking about, I think, once uh, we all have seen it. Have either any of you guys seen uh, Sarah Pauly's Women Talking? I you well, know I, I I like Alice Starling, so I love women talking. These two hate <laughs> women talking, so they probably will skip that one. I imagine. Mm-hmm. Very uh, good, just, Eric Holmes. Love that. I'm going to use that, but but that's true. Yes, sir. Sarah Pauly, uh, of course, director, uh, actor turned director. She's done uh, a number of movies and uh, very talented. Stories stories we tell uh, was a very interesting documentary that was uh, kind of 
kind of reinvent blur the lines it was it was a very interesting either of you guys see stories yeah a very skillful film very skillful yeah. documentary uh but yeah she's a skillful director so i'm i'm interested to see uh women talking which uh is uh about a, a group of women it's a period piece right and um they they're they're dealing with uh brutality within the home and and, and dealing with their faith and uh, uh so that's that's one that i have on the ledger that i would like to see what else you guys have well, actually, Eric and I saw this animated film called, what is it, New Gods, Yang Jan, New Gods. I believe it's in theaters on Friday. And the plot summary is just basically, it's a story about gods. There's a mountain that needs to be split. There's phoenixes, phenai or phoenixes, they're they're trapped. The fiery phoenixes are, or phenai are, they're trapped in the mountain. They must be split. There's a master. There are students. There is, there is death. There's tragedy. It's a very epic film. It's over two hours, I think two hours and seven minutes. New Gods, did this movie work for you, Eric Holmes? I, I give it a solid recommend. I, I love the visuals. I believe it could have been cut maybe about 10, 15 minutes. But overall, I think it's a worthy watch if you're an animation fan. What about you, Eric? Uh, it's the Hero's Journey, the movie. Um, You've seen it many times and people enjoy it. The you know animation's good and all that. Um, I, I think if you're like in like Harry Potter type movies, the movies that really have no substance or just like, just world building and nothing else really, then you'd probably dig this. I, I guess one thing I, one leg up I will give over this is that the animations kind of Pixar style or DreamWorks style, that, that sort of thing. And they actually kill people in it. Like, like, stab people not a lot of blood but you know it's it, well it, this is when, when, when i saw when i saw someone go at go at someone else with a knife and like stab him in the back and next thing he's like laying down on the ground dead and i was like oh they're really doing that okay yeah that's cool no um but as a, like as a story it was just one thing happens and another thing happens and another thing happens and they got to go get the thing or do the other thing and I, you know, it, it, it was fun to look at. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. I, I think kids would probably like it a lot more than I did. But yeah, it, yeah. it was fine. I, I agree with you. I, for me, this is a three and a half out of five star rating for me. I like the story a little bit better than you. But to your point, it it did it did feel like one thing happens and then it leads to another. I think they could have really shored up on the the storyline a little bit better. But again, the big warning is there there is violence in this movie. So. My six-year-old niece, Claire Atticus. I don't know. Can add, I don't know if Atticus can watch it. I, I don't know. There, it's over there two some, hours. He's out. Oh, he's over over two hours. He's out. But anyways, this is New Gods Yang Jan in select in nationwide this Friday via G Kids. Solid recommend for me. Three and a half out of five. Eric Holmes, your rating on this film? Uh, yeah, probably three. Like right down the middle. It's not offensive. Not great. You know, it's just kind of uh, it. It it's the exact movie you think it's going to be. Great. Okay, well, well we I, don't... real quick, guys, can I interrupt? Because I did a terrible job of uh, women talking, and I just want to uh, correct a couple of my wrongs. Uh, it is not a period piece, unless you consider 2010 a period piece. It's just the sect, the, the religious sect that they're in is somewhat Amish, so uh, the trailers make it look like it is from yesteryear. And the cast, I didn't even get to the cast, which is probably uh, the mm-hmm. most interesting thing that we have to uh, to report on so, thus far. It's Rooney Mara, Claire Foy. Uh, and Jesse Buckley is in yeah. this, uh, and uh, Francis McDormand, and uh, evidently Brad Pitt shows up. And it'll be interesting to see if Brad Pitt is showing up to play that like godlike figure that he he casts himself in so many movies. I don't know if he produced this one, but like a lot of the times, like you know, like Twelve Years a Slave is a great example. He just shows up and he's like the the white savior. I wonder if that's what he's going to be in here. I'd like to see Brad Pitt kind of come in and do like a California thing and uh, be like a, a wretched human being again sometime soon. Um, but yeah, so he's in this as well. 
And what will be interesting regarding to your point, Anderson, women talking, the fact that it is sort of a closed, it's enclosure, right? They're just talking within this section. And I, I don't know if it really opens up. It might, it might feel like a play. It'll be interesting to see what Sarah Pauly does with the structure as well. So a talking, a, is, a talking heads narrative. Yeah. It'll be interesting be to see. How, you will know, no, no. Well, I mean, it's women. What if it's it doesn't talking. pass the Brechtel test and they're just talking about Brad Pitt's character the entire time. <laughs> that <laughs> right. would be funny. Right. That'll be interesting. So yeah, women talking, be, will it be interesting to see. I think all four of us will eventually get to seeing this Bruce Perky, as far as other, th- other projects coming out this week, do you have another pick for this week, the week of the, uh, yeah, I have one that I'm really interested in. I have one that I watch. The one I watched is uh, Back to the Wharf, which is a Chinese movie. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. What it basically the concept is this: you have two young men that are just about to finish, I guess, the equivalent of high school in China. Uh, and I guess what it, where it works is in the school they'll promote somebody to university, and that's kind of your ticket to to going farther. And because of various um, payoffs, and you know, their fathers have various inroads. The kid who should get it is cut out of it, and. He goes running in the rain to the house of the guy that's his best friend who's going to get it because he's angry. He accidentally goes into the wrong house. The owner of that house comes out and fights him, and he, in a struggle, accidentally kills that man. And he immediately has to run away from the city. His father covers for him. He runs away from the city. And the rest of the movie is 15 years later as he returns to his hometown. That's a great plot. And all of the ramifications that have happened since then. So you have the uh, the kid that was left behind, the baby that was left behind after he killed the guy. That person now is like a 15-year-old girl. Uh, you have his friend who got all the success because he got to go to university and didn't kill anybody, and where he is, where his father is, and what happens to the man that comes back. And it, it has melodramatic elements, but it has a lot of really interesting elements too. So uh, I would say this is a solid movie. Uh, definitely, if you like um, kind of noirish crime dramas with elements of family drama and elements of thriller, and you like that kind of stuff, you might give it a try. Uh, it's not. It's not bad. I'd probably go three and a half stars on this one. Three and a half stars to Back to the Wharf. I believe it's in theaters or maybe video on demand yeah. on Friday. So only in theaters as far as yeah. that goes for on Friday. Okay. So that is And it. I could see this being a Greg movie, a real big Greg movie. And then I just want to quickly mention for Netflix, people of Netflix, the new series is dropping also on Friday, uh, the 17th. And that is the Junji Ito Maniac series. And each episode is 30 minutes long from the really famous uh, horror manga uh, creator Junji Ito. Uh, you might know him from Uzumaki, Uzumaki, and you might know him from Tomi. If you go into any hot topic, you probably see his artwork all over the place. Uh, he is a really, really creative, interesting guy, and they're trying to animate a bunch of his stories as 30 minute short p- uh, pieces within this, I think, 12 part uh, series that's going to drop on Netflix. Okay, very cool. So that is for the week of January 20th. And again, Back to the Wharf is actually available now on VOD. So you can get it on VOD, Back to the Wharf. That's a three and a half stars from Bruce Perky. As far as we're going to the last week of January 27th to round out the month, Anderson Cowan. We are? Yes. Oh. I thought we were just doing a week. Oh, should we just do a week? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I don't know. Eric, you guys get together every week? Uh, You you know what? You're right. Should we just... uh, Okay. Because I still got a couple other movies, and I I know that uh, Eric does too, because he's got it behind him. Kids vs. Aliens. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Let's let's do it. You're right, Anderson. Let's just uh, cover. We got Jung E. We got to talk about Jung E. Right from the guy that brought us uh, last train to Busan or Busan. Yes. Really? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Anderson. You you do it. Eric, Kids vs. Aliens. 
Kids vs. Aliens, a movie written and directed by Jason Eisner, who did the Hobo with the Shotgun, Treevenge, and produced, but not directed, Turbo Kid, as I put my foot in my mouth last <laughs> week. <laughs> um, Kids vs. Aliens, really fun. If, if you like the Hobo with the Shotgun, like that kind of thing, um, just think Hobo with the Shotgun, but instead of Hobo with the Shotgun, it's kind of Goonies-esque. Uh, there's a lot of kids cussing, kids having fun, a bunch of really cool monster stuff. This is kind of like a, almost like a modern trauma movie, pretty much. And this movie basically has three star banger written all over it. I loved it. Anderson might, might not. I, I, I don't know. How's the humor? I, I don't, uh, it's, it's kids cussing. So if that's, if that's your humor, then yes. Got a little not, attack, then, attack, I, attack, attack. Actually, the. Yeah, att- yeah, a little bit of that because I, I definitely picked up on that with the uh, watching the trailer. I love the runtime. I think it's an hour and fifteen minutes. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, short in and out. Yeah, actually, also the the uh, the uh, main bad guy. Uh, I interviewed the actor the last week, and uh, he's like a he's a real a hole in this. So maybe you'll appreciate that. Dominic um, Marish like is that the actor you interviewed? Dominic Marish? No, like uh, 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 Caitlin. Okay, Caleb, Caleb McDonald. McDonald. Yeah. Okay. And then you also interviewed Jason Eisner. We will actually have those yeah. interviews with Eric Holmes on the Cinematics podcast feed. So those interviews went well, Eric? Yeah, yeah. They went so well that that's why I'm giving a three-star banger. Three-star banger? because I like it, but because I give the <laughs> No, you're not. That's a, that's a Greg move. I'm going to cut that. I'm going to cut that. That's not a Greg move, right? Is that a Greg move, Eric? Greg, oh, Greg no, does no, this. No, like they'll, no. they'll invite him to screenings where they liquor him up and they give him little, little trinkets to take home. And like, I think he falls asleep during the screening and then writes a good review. I I, you know I what? Him up and he just pushes me away. <laughs> you know what, Anderson? I don't want. I don't like hearing the truth from you. Not not very cool. Not a very good move regarding me being compromised. Eric, you're not compromised. I will love be. You, buddy. Uh, yeah, love you too, man. Kids versus aliens later this week on uh, VOD, right? And in theaters as well. So yeah. yeah, in theaters on demand and digital, and then listen for Eric's interviews in a couple of days. Anderson, Bruce, what well, Bruce? You had your finals for this week. Anderson, final uh, movie pick for you. Uh, Jung E is going to be uh, available on Netflix, and it's, it looks like a, a futuristic uh, action adventure epic. Uh, like, did I say that it's 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 on uh, Netflix? Yes, and uh, it, it takes it's, it's, it takes place on uninhabited twenty second century Earth uh, after the outcome of civil war hinges on cloning the brain of an elite soldier to create a robot mercenary. Sounds a little like Avatar uh, to an extent, but this is from Sang Ho Yon. Uh, who brought us uh, Train to Busan, which uh, is maybe my favorite uh, zombie movie, which doesn't say much. My favorite zombie movie of the last 10 years. I really like that Train to Busan. So that's available for everyone. An hour and 38 minutes. Netflix, Jung underscore E is the title. Jung E, uh, the 20th available on Netflix. That is very, very cool. We are, we are done for this episode. A- any final thoughts? Anderson, oh, the, any- the, the Sun also comes out. I know you guys already covered it, but The Sun comes out in theaters this week as well. Oh, Bruce, is that a high recommendation for me for The <laughs> oh, Sun? Man. You jacked me, Eric. And what do you guys think? God, you jacked I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it, it, it's coming out this week? Yeah, because we, we saw it last week because I mean last month because it had an Oscar Oscar run for the Sun. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, right. you you love that movie too, right, Eric? You you love I, the Sun. I, I like the Sun, um, but uh, I, I'm just kind of yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I assumed it came out like a month ago, so I'm kind of surprised it's coming out this week. Anderson, is January still the, the what, the breeding oh, ground doldrums. for trash movies? Yeah. Yeah, doldrums? Are we still in the doldrums right now? January, January, February, and then September as well. Uh, hey, two two more movies, Greg. I know you got to yes, go, sir. but uh, Jesse Eisenberg mm-hmm. wrote and directed a movie uh, called When You Finish Saving the World, which is also coming out limited uh, just because it's Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, Julian Moore is also in that, as well as Wolfgang Hart or whatever his name is, that kid. Finn Wolfhard, yeah. Very good, I yeah. I don't dig him. Uh, so that, <laughs> that will uh, be coming out this limited this week and then looks interesting a24 love that i yeah. almost hesitate to even bring this one up but it's Uh-oh. called alone at alone at night i don't know if you uh guys have, are familiar with the birthday cake but a long yeah. time ago i wrote a treatment for uh this idea of like a, a mafia um, a mafia is like a head crime boss has a he's very powerful and he has like a a, a son who um can just run amok and do whatever he wants and this mafioso goes onto like a, a working set like that's being shot on location and he just his henchmen just take it over and they put uh, the 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 mafioso son like in the director's chair and lets him direct a movie. I feel like that's happening in real life with this guy Jimmy, Jimmy uh, Giannopoulos. Giannopoulos. Yeah, yeah, he made this movie called The Birthday Cake. He gets big names in it, uh, like this new one that he's got coming out limited. It's called Alone at Night, and it's got uh, Luis Guzman is the 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 lead. And then you got Pamela Anderson in there as well, as well as Paris Hilton. And from all accounts, I have not seen uh, The Birthday Cake, but from all accounts, not just Bob Bryan, but uh, other people who have seen it, like it's it's just a, a train wreck of a of an amateurish, ridiculous uh, excuse for a, a movie. So he's he's at it again. We like the birthday cake. I like that movie. I like the cake. Oh, I feel embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. Did we we like the birthday cake, guys? I I kind of dug it. Yeah. 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 But I I could see. I'm sorry. I I, watched the first five minutes and bailed. (laughs) Yeah. Bruce Bruce is the the voice of reason. I, I, I like it, but I get it too. I, I mean, you. I shouldn't be speaking out of turn. I have not seen it. I'm just, it's just, it's just curious when these movies, let's, let's just look at the rating real quick on the birthday cake. Not, not the old Rotten Tomatoes, but oh, just the probably, user rating. probably low. I'm it's about 9.5, 9.7 on that. Yeah. Well, low. Birthday cake. And it was just last year. Val Kilmer's in there, like a 4.3, right? Yeah, and then he's just, he's just right back at it again. Ooh, McGregor's in there. Like, yeah, he has some really big names in that uh, birthday cake. And from what I heard. Uh, no one really knew what movie they were in. Does he have photos on people or something, or what does he got? <laughs> it's one of. The, I think he might have a dad. I don't know. He might oh, have a dad. Oh, there you go. Here, here's something interesting. Rotten Tomatoes birthday cake, twenty three percent audience score, ninety two percent. There That's you go. Similar to, similar to Groupers though. So let's not. Uh, there you go. Stones. And Groupers is a fantastic movie. So I'll mm-hmm. go with the higher score. Yes, and you know what? I'm going to make sure that all of us get screening links for Alone at Night. See if we, see if we can all see. Maybe who knows? I miss Luis Guzman a lot. So it'll yes. be great to see him. All right, guys, we're done. Uh, final thoughts, Anderson Gowan for Cinematics. Hey, great to see you guys, and thanks for uh, for all the great work you guys are doing. I mean, it's, it's really keeping me uh, involved with uh, the up-and-coming movies, and I really appreciate the, the good work. It's an entertaining show, and I'm, I'm enjoying sitting back and listening to it. Okay, love you guys. See you guys next week here on Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's Greg. This is a special episode of Cinematics. This is sort of a really interesting episode because I have my best friend with me and I'm going to give my best friend, Deandra Miranda. H- Hello, Deandra. How are you? Hi, how are you? Great. I have a big admission. By the way, Deandra Miranda is the voice of Cinematics. You've heard her over the years since I think late 2015. She'll say, how many movies are coming out? This is Cinematics. Deandra, did you know that over the years, last five or six years, Anderson and I have been stealing royalty money from you and we millions and millions of dollars. Are you okay with that? You know what? I didn't realize I was going to be famous. So thank you so much. 
<laughs> I'm happy all your listeners get to hear my voice weekly. Yeah, and they're not getting uh, sick of it. Do you remember the first time when we, you and I went to Anderson's house, then house, and then you recorded the, all the drops? I do. I yeah. remember. It was really nice. We got like the little lay of the land. I believe he like just moved in, right? Or he was doing construction. Yeah, he just and, moved in. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it was actually a really beautiful day. And we probably got there about midday. Yeah. And I think I was like in town when I used to come in. I used to come back to LA a lot. And you're like, let's go do this segment. I was like, awesome. Let's do it. And yeah, your voice is at the beginning of every cinematics. That was, I think, five or six years ago when Anderson and I were just, like you said, just starting cinematics. We were just full of piss and vinegar. And now we're, we're just going through the motions. Are you okay with that? Are you going through the motions with your life, Deandra? Or are you, 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 you're not like that. You're more, can you tell our listeners what you do? You, you're not like me or, or like Anderson. What do you do? So uh, I'm, I'm a part of corporate America for the first time for the last two years. And what's really interesting is uh, I'm really happy we reconnected and I just feel like I'm, you know, I'm a woman of the world. I'm a traveler. I'm a creative. And so right now I'm a business development manager. So I represent uh, Chateau d'Escalon, which is a part of the Moet Hennessy family, which is under LVMH, you know, one of the largest companies in the world. And um, I manage in business development, their uh, winery of six different wines. So their portfolio. That is very, what kind of skill set do you need? Because when you say business development manager, I don't even know how to or get, develop anything in my life. So what skill sets did you have that landed you the gig? The gift of gab, I guess. Honestly, I think the title sounds like very gorgeous and it sounds like, you know, like I'm really like, I'm uh, spearheading a lot of amazing things, which I'm grateful to be a part of a team. But honestly, it's at the end of the day, I think that most people connect with likability. I know the product. I know people. I, like we've discussed, I've traveled a hell of a lot. Yes. And so it's kind of just one of those things of like seeing where something fits in. And if it doesn't kind of moving on and figuring out a strategy where it will, but how I think about life and working with everyone is if it doesn't work, don't try, but you might as well have fun on the way. Right. Definitely. Might as well have fun on the way. I should definitely well learn that. Yeah. How, so Deandra, how long have we known each other? I met you when I was 19 years old. 19, really? 19, yes. I uh, so That was 40 years ago? Because I'm 75 right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 40 years for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I met you when I was 19. And we met each other at the Omni Hotel downtown. In downtown. Yeah, downtown LA. I remember I was like this like, you know, young girl and I was working for the city in, you know, um, in La Mirada in the suburb of LA. And yeah. I just like had kind of a moment where I was like, I don't want to be these people. And I drove my. Oh, when you said you don't want to be these people, you saw the Asian American at the end of the bar drinking heavily. Was that me? No, no, that was before I met you. I said, I don't oh, want before... to be him. Oh, and, then... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I drove my Acura RSX and I went to downtown LA and I literally got a job. And I think I started within the next week. And then yeah. I saw you just like in the fetal position at the end of the bar. <laughs> and then yes, I really, but then I realized that's just your height. So, you know, <laughs> my height and weight, I was, by the way, for, and it's, we've known each other for 14 years and we're best of friends and I'm glad we're reconnecting. You're on your week off. You're going to be traveling as well. Before we start our review of the whale at your yeah. behest, can you tell our listeners, and this is a hard question, out of all the places you've traveled, a lot of these times you, you're going solo on your adventures. I give you, I can't even go solo to the mall, but can you tell our <laughs> listeners what is your favorite place right off the top of your head, your, the favorite place you've been to and what makes it special for you? 
Um, so I loved Peru. Uh, you knew me when I went to Peru. Peru yeah. for me was something that was just, uh, it was like my, my first solo journey. I believe I was 20, I believe I was 21 at the time. Right. And I, I did this whole, uh, backpacking, lived in the jungle. Remember this was all before like, you know, digital media and social media took off. So like it was very personal experience. And what I really loved about it is I was very present and it, it kind of shaped me to who I was from the moment I was on the airplane to the moment I left that country. It was nothing but a wild ride. And I mean it in not a glamorous way. It was the most, nothing went right and everything went right. If that makes sense. Nothing went right. Was there a four or five star hotel that you stayed at? at what was Iquitos, right? Was that the place? I, I don't even. So yeah. I lived in the jungle of Iquitos with the tribe. But when I came out, I stayed at like a, a hostel by myself. But I'm telling you from like me leaving LAX to connecting to Miami, because obviously I was young and broke. So like I had to get the cheapest ticket ever. And I'll never forget flying from LAX to Miami for a labor to go to Lima. And I think I traveled like 30 hours that day. You know, you get the cheapest ticket with like the longest layovers. And the LA to Miami connection, though, was the shortest layover I've ever had. And I just remember running through the airport. I didn't even realize it was so large, never traveled again, solo by myself. And I was running like, hold the gate. And they're like, oh yeah, your gate's like another like half a mile. And I was like, I'm not even going to make this trip. And it was just everything you couldn't prepare for it. I know that the great, you know, Anthony Bourdain always says, it's like, there's no glamour in traveling. It's like the art of traveling. But once you travel, whether it's solo or with friends, it really does shape and make you because now I could kind of like handle anything from just my little like excursions by myself. I don't need the five-star hotel. It's great to have it, but I feel what made me the most happy was uh, literally sleeping on a floor with no electricity, no water. There wasn't even a shower. Like you went to go like swim in a, a man-made lake, you know, that they built. And I think I was the most happiest re- really connecting with people. And yeah, you know, I live in New York city currently been here for 10 years, but like, even for me now, you know what, like those are always anchor moments for me. I can have the fanciest thing, caviar, champagne, be around the world, but I will always be home when I have the the real back to basics for myself. So even though a big part of you is a, is a city girl, okay, can you right now at your age, wisen and more experience, would you go, if you had the opportunity to go back to the jungle, would you, or has a creature comforts gotten to you? Like I'm sure most people. No, what's interesting is I actually feel like I'm having a little bit of a, like a renaissance for myself and I'm going back to the basics. Like I never thought I would be this person, but a part of me like wants, uh, I want to live in like a little beautiful, like maybe like a, I don't like the word villa because it sounds very snooty, but maybe live in a beautiful place in Barcelona, have some chickens, be able to like garden, make my own meals. And kind of like, I realized that nature is the most comforting to me. So city, I am a city girl. I've always been a city girl, but I've noticed that the nature is a little bit influential. Like I'm not lonely if I'm just next to nature. That is so beautiful. I'm glad we're best friends and uh, I'm a city person. We would never work as a couple. I'm glad we're platonic. I think we, 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 we knew that when I first met you. Yes, you knew that. You just took one look at me. But the good thing is, I'm glad. I, I'm, I really appreciate where you've come. Now, there's talking. we're talking about your personal journey. There's a big personal journey regarding the whale. Deandra, why was this, out of all the movies, you, we, we've, we, have, we haven't done this for years. So why was this movie the, the one that you wanted to review for cinematics? What made it special for you? Um, so I'm a movie junkie, just like you, you know, come from the beautiful, you know, streets of Los Angeles. 
And I feel like a lot of movies right now are what they say in, you know, digital marketing clickbait, you know, it has the 10 celebrities, not saying that they're not oversaturated, but to me, I think that they're a little bit oversaturated. It's like that Marvel big budget CGI, which is great. I mean, I understand like everyone in the world wants to, you know, kind of have like mostly revenues on their mind, but from the opening scene. And if viewers haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. If you have, you'll know what I'm talking about. But just that opening scene, it was so impactful to me. Like I got chills just the way it pans over, you know, his left shoulder coming to him and just the instant vulnerability and disgust that the viewers, like, like I feel like Darren Aronofsky, like really provoked emotion within the first five seconds for me which is like very rare for a movie it was something that you felt disgusted you felt the shame of him you felt the mere means of he just was participating and living you know his best life that's true to himself I I don't take I take the back not his best life but his only true life it was uh almost like he gave up that he was so authentically to himself you know what I mean? Even if it was yeah. cringeworthy. And I feel like a movie being impactful that quick in the game of just like, whether it was good or bad, your reaction was jaw dropping. It, it was, it, I was in awe. And to me as a, as a film junkie, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be an amazing film because I have not felt, it, it was almost like I was watching a documentary, honestly, the way it was shot. Yeah, for this movie, for The Whale, we're going to do a little mini review of The Whale, and then Deandra and I will going to be talking about our feelings, our recollections, our emotions, what our takes on the end of The Whale. So there's going to be spoiler stuff, but we will signal you at the end of this review when there will be spoilers. The Whale centers on Charlie. Like Deandra said, it's played by um, Charlie's played by Brendan Fraser. Charlie is morbidly obese. That's what morbidly is a word that I don't know if I'd use, but IMDb is, use, is using it. So I'm going to be severely morbidly. <laughs> yeah. Severely yeah. morbidly obese English teacher. And he, look, he's so obese that when he's going, when he's teaching English to his students via zoom, he is not even showing his picture. So he's the, the kids that the, the, the youths, they're very impressed by his teachings, especially about his, I think he's talking about Herman Melville's Moby Dick, or he's just ta- talking about the craft of storytelling and writing and telling them to be the best, their best selves and write with truth and everything like that. He's all saying this while he's being, they can't even see him, right? So there's a part of him that is shielding himself, understandably so, from the viewers of the Zoom screen. So the rest of the movie is, it's based on a stage play, by the way, by, I believe it's Samuel D. Hunter, but this movie is based on a play so my actual recommendation for people watching The Whale is know that it is a play. It's in a really, there are a couple of flashbacks, but it's mainly a confined space. So Deandra, my thing to you is a lot of people thought there's, this movie split. Some people thought it was just way too saccharine and just too um, sugary and cliched. And they they thought it was a little bit boring because of its confined space. But you were talking about the visual at the beginning what was your, so your take is, what do you say to those people who said, oh, this is completely not for me? Do you understand that? And what's the flip side of that regarding your view? Um, I understand what people could say. You know, I, I it makes sense now that it was adapted from a play because to me, the entire premise of the movie seemed a little play-like, you know, yeah. the different acts and having one set or whatever. I would say to those um, people who felt that way is that to me was the beauty of that's also life. Life isn't, again, big glamorous like yeah. i think that we're, i think that we're a, a little bit 
desensitized when it comes to movies where, you know, our brains just want to have every five seconds, something different, flashy. And at the end of the day is art is also taken from our own lives where if they thought it was like a little bit of like a slow start, or it wasn't like as, as impactful as they thought. So that's also how a lot of people feel about their lives. And again, for me, it brought out these like really weird emotions where I feel like you could feel a transition in everyone. I'm not morbidly obese. You're not as well, but there was something in, I understood and I really resonated with the character, Charlie, because there's something that you don't feel good about yourself and you protect yourself and it doesn't have to be physical. It could be emotional or mental or whatever. And so the whole idea of, I liked when he kept on telling his students that his camera wasn't working on his computer. That's (laughs) why it was black. And it was a little lie that just protected him, which I think that made him an amazing professor, but it also didn't tap into his vulnerability where he has to look in the mirror every day and he's disgusted. And so I just feel like you could take away a little bit on each of our lives when you kind of, it's not always going to be some sensational type of environment. We also have to mention the ensemble cast, Brendan Fraser, obviously is going to get an Oscar nomination for the whale. And I think he is a shoe in to win the best actor Oscar. Honestly, I think he deserves it because even with him, he kind of was shunned by, and it was interesting before this movie came out, before it had all this buzz and they marketed it perfectly because it had a lot of traction before it was even yep. saying where, when the release date was. But I'm happy that, you know, him, like his character, I feel like he got very much shunned for a long time in Hollywood and he kind of like retracted a little bit like his character. And then I feel like recently he kind of just was like, I'm just in a kamikaze and just come out and be proud of it. And yeah, I mean, I think it's highly deserved. It's highly deserved. Definitely. But also the ensemble, let's talk about the ensemble, Charlie's daughter. It's a a daughter who's estranged from him. She's about probably a senior in high school right now. Her name's Ellie played by Sadie Sink. You might've seen Sadie Sink in stranger things. She's very good. She also deserves a best supporting actress nomination. She's excellent as his rebellious daughter. There is a huge reason why she's rebellious. You're going to understand throughout the story. Hong Chow, also a very celebrated actress. She plays Liz, Charlie's nurse or caretaker. And she has this, you were talking about lies and secrets. Both Ellie, played again, played by Sadie Sink, and Hong Chow as Liz, the caretaker of Charlie. They both are hiding their own secrets and hiding a part of themselves. A lot of this movie deals with not deception, but just protecting yourself from showing the, who, what your truth is. There's also rounding out the cast or a couple of the other people. Samantha Morton plays his ex-wife mary and she has a very memorable confrontation verbal talk with charlie and then finally there's ty simpkins as thomas a young guy who's seems seemingly a door-to-door religious salesman he he is with this movement called the new life movement and he's preaching salvation for everyone no matter what your denomination is like deandra was saying a lot of this movie is stagey it is very episodic because you see charlie where else is he going to travel he's not going to go to Peru, right? He's not. No. He's, he's not going to go to Paris. So it is very stagey. It is very blocky. It it can turn off viewers that way. But if you look at it a as a play and b as a way of seeing actors act within this play like confines, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I I was really worried. Did you even hear about the reviews before you saw this? You saw this in a couple of days ago. Oh, okay, so you were. Wow. No, I I like to. You know what it is? Is I like to have an open open heart about it. I feel like I. I don't really read reviews sometimes mm. before I see the movie because yes. sometimes it's like when you yelp something, those who can't cook 
talk shit on reviews. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes, <laughs> like, it's like, like, I really, I, I, I love this director and we were, we were joking a little bit, like, you know, uh, Darren had like three flops before, or at least two flops. There was mother. Mother was terrible. <laughs> I, 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 love, I still haven't seen mother. I love him. But it, again, like that was too pushy. I feel like there was something where I don't know what changed with him, but it, it's, it was kind of like how black Swan was, but it was yeah. for me, this movie, it was greed and envy. And this to me was like, I know it sounds gross, but it was so uncomfortable, like from the interactions to like, you're right. The, the cast was amazing. Everyone balanced each other out. But everyone had this really weird, like for me, like prickly armor on. But yet you tell that each individual person, which is like what four of them, all they wanted to do was be loved and accepted, but they didn't know how to be. So for them, it was like to to spew venom or to say you weren't there or for you know um, the nurse played by you said Ho Hong Cho Hong Cho Hong Cho Hong Cho Hong Cho Cho. for her to even come over daily and just to be like you know you can't do this, but there was this really beautiful, and I like to say it was almost like a connective tissue with them where they were not made from all the same cloth, but they were all searching for the one thing in which was utter love and acceptance that you could tell that in their own personal journeys, they didn't have. So it was like, it was like four singular people who are in the corner, really fighting adversity and have to be a little bit more callous to survive in the world that they live in. But yet in this one corner apartment in Idaho, I believe that's where it is. Oh, really? Okay. okay. Yeah, I believe they say they're in Idaho. They all came together. Wow. You know, there is a certain section I think will where people will either be on board with the whale or not. And it's this. This is not a spoiler uh, scenario because I've, I've actually seen this scene on YouTube and whatnot. But when Charlie says, "I think I'm," I don't know if I'm misquoting it when he tells someone that he believes that people are incapable of not caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's either going to get you or if you're really cynical, you're going to say, I'm totally done with this movie. Did, did that moment, if, I don't know if you remember that moment where he's yeah. saying, yeah. Did that get you as well? Did that did that moment get you when he's telling about it? Like, or did you say, ah, oh, I know a bunch of a-holes in this world. So Charlie, as much as I love you, I don't know about that. So what's interesting is I'm going to piggyback on that statement is because that actually got me. But the reason why he became severely morbidly obese is because he had a very traumatic experience in his life. So I think that when people are a little bit cynical, there's that one pivotal moment who changes them to either be cynical or caring. So, you know, that we say like love and hate and all that is like adaptable, right? Like we kind of grow into like these human beings and we, we learn these behaviors. So even the most cynical person can say, Oh, I don't believe in that. But there was one day when you weren't on the other side, you know, I think that like, I think that pivotal moments happen to people's lives, whether it's good or bad. And then we kind of internalize those traumas and then we kind of then create a little bit of like this callus. So I thought it was quite interesting because I believe that he was an amazing person. And I, I think there was, I think there's only like three flashbacks. I think I liked how the movie stayed very present, but even those three flashbacks, you know, he was happy and he was happy, but at the same time as the hurt and the pain that happened to him at that really pivotal moment in his life, he just was like, I just think that when he went off the the deep end, honestly, I don't think he was expecting to probably live as long as he did. And I think that that's where a lot of the shame and the guilt came because he had to like live with himself and look at himself every day in the state that he wouldn't want his 
partner to see. Yeah, well, we're going to get into spoilers in a second. But like Deandra was saying, at the beginning of the, the movie, you know, Charlie's in really bad health. So the rest of the movie has him trying to make definite amends with his daughter, again, Ellie. So a lot of it deals with him trying to restructure that relationship. He's even trying to bribe her with the money he has in the bank. And you're wondering, why would he have money in the bank when he doesn't go to the hospital? That will be solved throughout the narrative. So he's trying to figure things out before he goes on to the next stage, presumably so, because like the uh, plot synopsis is he's he's morbidly obese. So we know possibly it might be inevitable that he passes on or not. We won't tell you what the ending is, but basically a lot of this movie is about reconciliation as well as uh, unconditional love, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to have to know all... by the way, the way he bribes her is he's trying to, in his own dad way, his strange dad way, trying to t- tell her about helping her write her essays for school. So that as much as, is there any kind of unspoiler-esque information that I'm leaving out, Deandra, that you wanted to add before we go into spoilers? Um, I would say even, there was one moment in the movie, and this is not a spoiler to me, just I think it's like kind of like a, it was, he was authentically himself even when he's trying to help her with her homework and bribing her and he's giving lectures to his classes, he keeps on saying, be authentic, write authentic, be authentic. And I think that no matter if we have trials and tribulations, I kind of agree with him where if you're your most authentic self, you could be the most proud of wherever you are in your stage of life or writing or in college or as a kid. So I really kind of like that. He was a little bit of a cheerleader where he was like, listen, I'm, I understand if you don't want to re, you know, reconciliate, and all that stuff, but just be authentic. You're going to give me these like nasty emotions. Cause I, you know, you felt abandoned. At least you're giving me your authentic emotion. So yeah. there was a little glimmer of, um, I liked that optimism, you know, cause it was, it, it is, and it, and it was a dark movie, you know, just heavy. Yeah. No, no pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. No pun intended. Okay. Finally, before we get to the spoilers, we do a rating on cinematics. D. It's usually zero to five stars, five stars being the best, of course. My rating for The Whale is just because of the message, the execution, the performances, everything. I was expecting, I was walking, okay, I was watching this movie expecting a lot of hate. I was going to be, I was going to attack this movie because I am cynical. I ended up giving it, a, I, I was on the train. I Five out of five stars. For me, Deandra, what is your rating on The Whale? Five out of five stars. Five out of five. Okay, five out of five, five from- five. Deandra, the 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 one, my best friend, who I've been extorting millions of dollars because she's a voice of cinema, <laughs> and I I get we both give it five stars. We highly recommend the whale. Thank you guys so much for listening to cinema, cinematics. And also, uh, before we go, Deandra, what do you want to? Anything else you want to plug? Your Instagram. Where can people find you and 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 yell at you for liking the whale or yell at you for being friends with me? Where, where can people find you? I might get more hate mail being friends with you. Yes, you will. So <laughs> sorry about that. Um, you can find me at. It is at D-E-E underscore Miranda, M-I-R-A-N-D-A. So at D-Miranda. At D-Miranda. Go check out Deandra Miranda and her travels. A lot of travel stuff on her Instagram, just a lot of live stuff as well. But it's real. It's it's not... It's not as clickbaity and inorganic as the way I like to approach my stuff. She's very real when she travels. I I keep telling her, D, you should just go to all these places and do Instagram reels and monetize immediately. And she's like, yeah, I just want to travel and live my life. She's a normal human being and I am an analytic W-H-O-R-E. And (laughs) thankfully, she's still my friend. So D-E-E underscore Miranda over at Instagram. Any final things before we get out of here? Uh, No, I just am happy to reconnect again and hopefully we can do this soon.
Awesome. Okay, we'll see you guys next time on Cinematics. And check out our spoiler section if you want to hear some more spoilers. And if you in, you want to take a break, you want to take a, a glass of water? And yeah, I'm I'll gonna... take a glass of water. Yeah. Hey, everyone. We're back. This is the spoiler section for Cinematics. It'll be very, very quick. Just I was going to make some jokes about my dating life, but let's just say it'll be lickety split, Quicksilver in, in and out very, very quick regarding director Darren Aronofsky's The Whale headlined by Brendan Fraser. Deandra, spoiler section. This is spoiler stuff. What do you want to start off with regarding spoilers and reactions, et cetera? Anything you want to start off with? That he was gay. Gay, right. I mean, gay. I gay. never, I never would have guessed that his, unfortunately, his gay lover passing away would have thrown him. In. Like, you think that coming out would be a big deal and you would be like, you know, very emotional, but. Yeah, because he was married. Yeah, married and he had a kid and yeah, to leave. Yeah. And, and then the biggest spoiler when I found out was his student. His student. Oh yeah, yeah it was yeah, stu- right exactly. Yeah, I I didn't find it. I'm I'm uh, yeah. I was that wasn't a big surprise because I, I'm one of those people who what what is it called? I'm a Pygmalion type. You know, I I I meet young people and I manipulate them. No, I'm just kidding. I yeah, that was there's a lot of surprises here. It, it was the, the, it was like a little bit of like a graduate, but like role reversal. You know, right. Charlie's boyfriend was his student, but then Charlie actually defends it and says, hey, well, the age difference wasn't that big when you come to think of it. And maybe that's understandable. I thought it was, that was even a bigger spoiler or biggest surprise was Charlie's ex-lover who committed suicide. His sister is Hong Chao, yes. the, the caretaker of Charlie. It's really interesting to see that there's not too much of a backstory, but why is Liz still caring for her ex or her the ex-lover of her boyfriend probably because she cares about charlie and she doesn't blame him right i think it's a guilt yes but i also think it's a guilt i feel like it's like if you are gonna have one love you know it's her brother you don't want to see the person that you the the brother that you loved you don't want to see his lover you know pass away too so i I think there's a little bit of a guilt it's like you know she wants to save him because she couldn't save her brother a little transfer of power transfer do you think liz again the sister who is a caretaker, do you think she honestly unconditionally loves Charlie or do you think she's taking care of him? Like you said, out of, because she loves her, her late brother so much. I think it's a symbiotic relationship. I think that she has, I think she's grown to love him, but I also think it's a little bit self-serving where she wants to be loved herself. And I think that she is not like Charlie where she's very, very large, but I think that she, just has a very um she's a very guarded heart and so she might not connect with people so i think that like charlie unconditionally gives her love that she probably is she probably isn't getting anywhere else you know that's interesting so yeah. maybe she uses him a little bit she has to say is it maybe a crutch yes yes I think, she- I think there's a little codependency and um there's two other spoilers that i was shocked with yeah. was um which is really interesting because I thought it was a very, very small but impactful scene. Um, Dan, the delivery guy. Oh, yeah. Dan, the, yeah. I think that was a weird thing because Dan, the delivery guy, is sort of a buddy of Charlie because he drops the pizza off and I guess towards a window or that porch in that apartment complex or whatever. Really? That com- yeah. Yeah. And then he just, Dan wants to have some kind of honest conversation with Charlie, right? He wants him to come out. I think that he, I think that Dan is, is the same as, um, I think it's like his little good deed of the day. You know what I mean? And I, I was interesting, but Dan was always like that friend. And for some reason we always focus on the shadow of him leaving, you know? Yeah. 
he would leave. We know he was there. He he was actually a part of the movie a lot because he was there every single day. And I think we started from a Monday to a Friday, I believe. I think I believe the movie ends on a Friday. So we get a week in the life of Charlie. Oh, right. Yes. But oh, I thought it was really kind of a small little like a it was like a small little parenthesis in the entire fabric of the film. But when he duped him and he said he was walking away and you hear the footsteps and we see the shadow of Dan. And then Charlie comes out because he's like, okay, like, again, he's like in this little like safe cocoon. And then when Dan is standing there checking him out, because he was like, I want to see who this guy is. It was another thing. And that's when Charlie has that binge fest. Because if you remember that, he has the same thing. He isolates his own experiences to feel very comfortable. But one thing set him off. But at the same time, is that's an organic way of life. You know, humans are curious or you know, you can't protect yourself from this like false identity that we have, even if we want to. Yeah. So I kind of like it because it, it broke up that even in Charlie's confined safe space, he's never safe. Yeah. That was a, a very big reveal. Also another interesting reveal is his daughter, Ellie. She is understandably angry. So when we see her, she is mad at her dad. Well, she hasn't seen her really hasn't had a good relationship with her dad for the past, maybe even decade since he left her when she was eight or something. Yeah. Big reveal is she is not only is she an angry person, which we understand, but she is an abusive person. The The fact that she ends up trolling people online and ends up bullying is an online bully. She actually posts information about Thomas played by Ty Simpkins. The fact that Thomas left with some money from his parents and he's not even part of the new life organization. And she's posting up all of his stuff for people to see and to out him. Would did that surprise you? The fact that she's actually that went that way, dark, dark voice. Yeah. Um, it didn't surprise me just because I feel like it's like classic, you know, what is it called? A uh, classic, like I want to be loved. It was like, I just feel like she wanted attention. So her being in a controlling situation, again, everyone had really interesting relationships because like, even with Ellie, she's mad. She's, pissed she hates him he's disgusting in her eyes but yet she comes back every single day and people could say yeah but it's the money however he never even gave her money up front he doesn't give her money there so she's kind of going off of his word that she will get this money so you can kind of say well she's there for the money but it's like but at the at the end of the day tangibly she doesn't have anything so there's a little bit that's actually i feel like going out of the kindness of her heart because She's dreaming of the money, but again, that money is a little bit of a, like a crutch. I felt, I think that there was something deep inside of her where it, her dad was not only the person who reached out to her and wants to see her. And I feel like she could kind of be like his, uh, he's her, or she uses him as an emotional punching bag, but yet there might be a little bit of a, and maybe I'm getting a little too philosophical, but maybe she knows that he's dying. So at the end of the day, she probably could be her most vulnerable self for that small window without anyone seeing that she's laying her balls down. Do you get what I mean? I yeah. feel like again, everyone's a little bit in their comfortability secretly. And of course, the reveal when he's actually not writing Ellie's paper because he actually tried to convince her, hey, I'll write your papers. I'll give you money. Just spend time with me. And he actually uses the paper that she wrote when she was, I think, 
in eighth grade or something like that, or either eight, I think when she was in eighth grade writing about Moby Dick. And that was the thing that he was the Moby Dick passage. He actually talks about a passage in the beginning of the movie. And you're thinking he's reciting something from his students, but he's actually reciting something from his own kid. So that wasn't that that was a, a really big reveal. What did you think of the ending of the movie where He's telling Elliot that she's a very uh, special person and she's pretty much capable of, she's beautiful and everything. Did you completely break down and were you an ugly mess at the end? Honestly, I mean, I get chills. Like I, I, I can't even harp on this more. Like I have not seen a movie in a very, very long time that just evoked true emotion. Um, yeah. I totally sobbed at the end because I think that him leaving really impacted her mm-hmm. emotionally but I think that, and I'm, I'm only for my take is as he is transcending to the next life, because, yeah. you know, he's, he's passing away. Right. I feel like that, like what he told her will change her life forever. Yes. You know what I mean? It, it's like exactly what she needed to hear. So as he's leaving us, yeah, he's, um he's setting her free. It's almost like he's like unbound these shackles. You were special. You're perfect to me. And what I thought was really impactful was as he's telling her that he's making steps without his, his cane, because remember, that's what she wanted in the very beginning. It's like, yes. he, like he stirred up the courage to say, not only am I going to tell you you're special, but I'm going to show you with my actions. Yeah. We're, I don't want to talk about the ending too much because I might cry as well, but yeah, it is a very emotional moment. And it's one of those things that will either wreck you or, you know, I don't mind opinions, different opinions. People would just say, okay, the, I, I, I'm done. I can't take it. There's a lot of different reactions. Uh, and the bottom line is it's strong emotions, positive or negative. That's why yes. I like the whale. I think something that's absolutely underrated is because everyone, you know, you and I included, we talked about the end of the movie, but I thought what what was a really great moment and transcendent moment for me is when Charlie is telling his ex-wife Mary just to whatever you do just make sure you take care of our daughter and then know that she has good in her that that was cool too did you like that yeah, moment when yeah. when he's telling do you think that Mary's gonna kind of take those words to heart and, or and, or maybe her daughter eventually will will connect with her mom and just the mom will finally realize do you think that light will ever go on with with the wife or 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 not the ex-wife or not yeah I feel like the title of the movie and the movie and each really powerful scene to me was about, it's like, it, like he is a whale physically. He is a whale because of Moby Dick. I think that also like with his passing, when he was telling her, like find the good in her yeah. is he's going to be that fabric through both of those relationships being like, we love, we lost such a big love, a big person, like, you know, physically and emotionally. And I think that that was something that in, in a weird way, it brought them all together. And, you know, it, it's almost like, you could see the fat melting away from like their hearts, like something about him was just so warm. And he was so, he was just so like, you want to root for someone you're a little like disgusted by. Yeah. And then you feel at at the end, you're disgusted by your own judgment of Charlie, right? That's the the thing is like, it's like we judge people so much based on looks. At the end of the day is he was the most kindest soul and like you said he made mistakes but at the same time as he needed to be in his truth and when he was in his truth it hurt a lot of people but he was really he was really to rectify it because he knew he was he was dying however he never once 
was defensive. He never once deflected. Like he spearheaded all this negativity from several people. And I think that he just held his head very, very high because he was more shamed of his actions and himself. And I don't think that any of those four people together would have even came close to. And even people, so he was being very nice to strangers, the students, he didn't have to show himself finally to the students. He could have just continued to collect the money and add to his $120,000 bank account. But he showed people who he is and he wants people to speak in that truth. Did you like that moment, that unconditional, not unconditional love moment, but that just very generous moment to say, hey, this is who I am finally. I thought it was, it it was 50-50. I thought that it was, it was like cathartic, which what he needed. I think that he was like, I'm tired of hiding. I also think that he knew it was going to be very pivotal. And again, their new development career where when he was like, be authentic. Like, why are we here? Who cares about the cars and the money? And like I said, the aesthetics and all that. And if I was in that situation as a student, I would be like, for me, that would be the aha moment. I would be like, wow, you know what? Like, this is someone who I admire and I could maybe not admire them in a split second. But at the end of the day is he has balls and and what am I doing? And I think that like, that's what I, I kind of always check in with myself is Movies to me are very inspirational. I know that they're written, they're not real, but there's something about movies in particular and stuff like this is they always make you realize you're like, you know what? I might not be him and I might not be in that like in that pl- like place like him, but there's a little bit of each and every one of us in every single character of this film. Yeah, def- definitely. And uh, again, it's one of these movies that really I'm surprised how, at how much I love The Whale, obviously, as as of this recording, currently playing in select theaters. It'll probably be available via digital on demand down the road. D. Miranda. I'm happy, it, I'm happy it wasn't, though. Normally, movies nowadays are able for streaming simultaneously as the theater. I'm really happy that that wasn't an option. This is this is where I got my uh, I have the, the yeah, this is what happens when you're a spoiled critic like me. You get the award screener i forgot to tell you d so and even and even look at that picture that's it's it's so emotional yeah right see look at that yeah yeah i just look hopeless you know yeah yeah sort of like my eyes who look hopeless as well but no this is there's a lot of hope behind the whale we hope you guys you've i'm sure by watching the spoiler you have seen this you can reach d miranda where can people reach you d uh so be uh feel free to reach me at my ig so it's going to be d-e-e underscore miranda so at D underscore Miranda. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us, D, the voice of cinematics. And we will see you guys next time. Take care. And thanks again for supporting us on cinematics, the deepest dream YouTube channel, whatever. Go out and see the whale. Any final thoughts, Deandra? I mean, A24 production company doesn't disappoint. They, yeah, this is not a paid sponsorship, but this is <laughs> yes, not, a paid, yeah. paid ad. No, but that is correct, D. I love them too. All right. See ya. All right. Bye.